0: Witness history this year at the French Open, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch it. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. It's three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off. We'll see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if fresh faces rise to the challenge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it all goes down. Welcome in to another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersosimo, and today you are listening on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Now, I've waited a week to put this episode out there and talk about the Australian Open. I kind of just took a week to gather everything about the Australian Open. Yeah, it was a busy week for me personally, but I also just wanted to completely let the Australian Open settle and let the dust settle a little bit and then come out and speak my mind about what exactly happened at the Australian Open and how I felt about it. Now, the Australian Open is still very fresh in my mind, so don't think that the week that went by didn't help me or don't think that it, you know, escaped my mind or that I forgot things that happened. No, I have taken notes. I have paid attention. And I know exactly what happened the few weeks of the Australian Open. Now, I want to start on the women's side. And the women's side was very, actually, um, entertaining and very, I want to say, uh, intriguing in that Serena, I thought Serena was really going to get her 24th um, Grand Slam. Now, I did pick Osaka because I thought Osaka did have a really good chance to win. But the way that Osaka played Serena in the semifinals was incredible and really pushed Osaka, I think, only motivates her more when she beats Serena. I think she's really hard to beat after that. And especially against the American, like uh, Jennifer Brady, Jenny Brady and Jenny Brady's young. I mean, so is Osaka, but Osaka has got a little bit more miles on her tires and kind of knows the ropes a little bit better and can play in those big matches and is experienced and ready for those big matches. And I think just a little bit more than Jennifer Brady. I know Jennifer Brady is kind of new to the spotlight a little bit come the U.S. Open in 2020. But I do think that Naomi Osaka does have something special where some of these other ladies can't necessarily keep up with her. And that's what happened in the final with Jennifer Brady. But back to the Naomi Osaka and Serena Williams match. Osaka wiped Serena Williams, beat her 6-3, 6-4 in the semis. And I didn't fully expect that to happen because I thought it'd be a lot better of a match, especially if Serena Williams just beat Simona Halep in the quarters 6-3, 6-3. And Naomi Osaka really hadn't played a super tough opponent before playing her in the semifinals. I mean, she played... Uh, Muguruza, which was a tight match, but Muguruza is 14 in the world and kind of is making her comeback back into it, but Serena is playing really, really good tennis, and so I know this is an ATP tour show and I don't want to spend too much time on the women's side, but I do want to give credit where credit's due, and the women's side of the Australian Open was absolutely incredible, and what Jennifer Brady did, what Naomi Osaka did, and even what Serena Williams did was really admirable, and something that was worth watching, and I did watch a lot of the women's side on a lot of the women's matches, and I will tell you, they were very entertaining, and definitely something to keep an eye on, especially moving forward here, I think the women's side is only going to get better and more entertaining this year, especially as I have a lot of faith in Alina Svitolina still, but... Hopefully, she can really turn it around and have a good end of her year. But Donna Vekic is having a really good year so far. Osaka's having a really good year. See if uh, Azarenka can come off a big 2020 and bring that momentum into 2021. Year of the Moms again, maybe. Who knows? But that's the women's side of the Australian Open. Now, to the men's side. I'm just going to start by saying Novak Djokovic is super dominant. Boom, let's go back to the quarterfinals. I ended off last time at the quarterfinals, and I want to retouch with those. Uh, Ended up being Djokovic and Sverev, Dimitrov and Karatsev, Rublev and Medvedev and Tsitsipas and Nadal, and I actually got the semifinals right. I guess the semifinals were going to be Karatsev and Djokovic, and I guess they would be Medvedev and Tsitsipas. Now, I didn't guess that they would be... Not close matches in the semis. But in in the quarters, let's talk about the quarters. The Tsitsipas-Nadal match, Nadal won the first two sets, 6-3, 6-2, and ends up losing in five sets. I think Tsitsipas is one of, like, two people that beat Rafa down two sets to love in a five-set match. And the other one, I believe, was Fognini. And I don't know this for sure, but I think it was at the U.S. Open. You can fact-check me on that one. But the other one, uh, Rublev-Medvedev I thought was going to be a closer match. Nope, Medvedev swipes. In three sets, Dimitrov, Karatsev. I had a feeling Karatsev was going to make it to the semis, and he did. Um, Dimitrov really handled the first set 6-2 and then lost three straight. Four sets goes to Karatsev. And then Djokovic, Sverov. Djokovic is just too good, even after losing the first set. Wins three straight, four sets. So now we got the semis. we got Karatsev and Djokovic and Medvedev and Sitsipas. Now, I'm not going to lie. The second half of this tournament was, besides the match between... Sitsipas and Nadal was pretty underwhelming. Uh, I just talked about those quarterfinal matches, but when you look at these semifinal matches, even uh, Djokovic and Karatsev straight set win for Djokovic three four and two. Then you look at Medvedev; he's straight sets win against uh, Sitsipas four two and five. So then. The thing is, is especially Sitsbos comes off that win against Nadal, which was a five-setter, a long match late into the night, and you're playing one of the best grinders that the game has to play. I kind of expected this to go Medvedev's way, especially the way Medvedev handled Rublev. Really absolutely handled him a little bit there in the quarterfinal. So I had an expectation that this match was going to be that way, and especially since I picked Medvedev to win it. Let's move to the finals. The finals was Medvedev and Djokovic, and I actually had really, really high hopes for this. When I woke up early on a Sunday morning to watch most of this match, and I had really, really, really high hopes for this final match, and I really thought it was going to be a 4-5 setter, um, at least a 4-setter, but it just wasn't the case. Novak Djokovic rolls Medvedev 7-5, 6-2, 6-2, and I think what happened is uh, what, what I... I'm taking away from this is Djokovic was having a really good day and Medvedev was not having a good day. And I think once Medvedev got down, it was almost too far down to bring him back up. And even with Djokovic's quote-unquote injury or his problems he was having with his abdomen, for Djokovic to come roll in the finals like this, especially with someone who's played so well in the Australian Open, he I think Medvedev had won 20 straight matches in 2021 up to that point and for Djokovic to come out and roll him. Djokovic goes out to win his third Australian Open in a row, his ninth total Australian Open, his 18th overall Grand Slam. Djokovic is knocking on the doorstep of Rafael Nadal and er, and Roger Federer. But I think with this win, Novak really confirmed the thing that a lot of us already knew, and it's that the big three are still yet to be stopped. The thing with the big three is, it's a monumental win when one of them loses, right? So it's a monumental win for Stefano Tsitsipas when he beats Rafael Nadal. And it's a monumental win if someone were to beat Djokovic. I mean, Novak lost in the U.S. Open to Karina Busta. Now, not necessarily Karina Busta beating Djokovic, but Djokovic t- beating himself, getting disqualified. But what I'm trying to say is... You can beat one of them, but you can't beat all three of them. And even with Roger Federer out, one of them still wins. So they only had two people that had a chance to win this. Granted, they were the number one and, I believe, two seed in this tournament. But you still can't beat them all. And I think Medvedev said it best when he did his press conference after the finals and said uh, pretty much they're just better. And they are. And the biggest part is maybe not physically better than a lot of the players on the tour, because a lot of the players are younger and can last longer. But mentally, and I'm not talking about mentally as as far as you know, attitude and stuff. And yeah, that as well, but just more seasoned. They know how to play in the bigger matches as well as they're just smarter on the tennis court. And I think the mental part of the tennis game is really showing how crucial and fragile and important it is as some of these Superstars get older, and that is that is uh Djokovic, that is Nadal, that is Federer. And the thing is, is I don't think in this generation, and I'm talking 20 to 30 year olds right now, none of them I believe are gonna get even close to what Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic have gotten just because at this point in their careers, they were already winning grand slams, right? Some of these guys, like uh Dominic, team is like 27 years old. He's, he's only got maybe 10 years left. That means he'd have to win two Grand Slams a year to get to 20. Well, now, you know, he's got he's already got one, but still, you get what I'm saying. So, the window's running out for anybody to really catch these two at this moment, but people are really finding out that there's three of them, and they're all still incredibly, incredibly hard to beat. And I think it's just showing more. And Medvedev even called them the cyborgs of tennis. Um, And it's just incredible that those top three are still playing the way they're playing and still making these young guns look like, you know, juniors or amateurs. Now, last thing about the Australian Open, and then we can move on to other things, other highlights that are happening in the world of tennis a little bit before I let you go on this week's episode of Believe in the ATP Tour, is... I can't believe we made it through the Australian Open. Now, if you listen to my episodes leading up to the Australian Open, I not I was one that was not necessarily a fan of how the Australian Open kind of handled some things, as well as I didn't know if they were to actually make it through the entire Australian Open with how they handled things before the Australian Open. Now there's a lot of uh back and forth between the players and the you know, Craig Tiley, the tournament director, and I think anytime someone in the you know, the limelight that Craig Tiley was in, they don't necessarily want to be in the mainstream media, but it turned out they ended up being in it because people were mad at him and they had to make all these statements and say all these things. But for them to make it through the Australian Open, I applaud you, the Australian Open. And I apologize for being so critical in the early stages, but you could see how things weren't trending in the right direction. I don't know if something changed internally or if they just, if what they had in place right away worked so well, and they were able to get this thing off. But they did get the entire Australian Open off with fans for the most part, other than about five days there in the middle. And to see fans in the Australian Open final, um, you know, it gives you chills. It really does. And to see the fans and the capacity that they were in and how everything was going, um, just absolutely incredible. And it was something magical to see. And I'm glad the world of sport got back to some sort of normalcy Um, And I do, I do, I do. I applaud the Australian Open for how they did. Now, could have things gone different a little bit? I really thought it was in trouble a few days before the Australian Open when that hotel staffer came down with the coronavirus. But they somehow found a way to make it out of that. And I will say, I admit I was wrong about how the Australian Open was going to go. And I'm glad that it's over because uh, there were some tense feeling about how that was going to go and how everything was going there. Um, a couple things I want to read, uh, Andre Rublev before his match, I believe with, um, you know, Medvedev, he said, uh, we're both nuts, whining, crying, throwing rackets, um, grabbing clay from the court and eating it. And that was when they were both young. Um, and that's how those Russians used to play on the court and they still play with that firepower. And these are just things I, you know, found in some quotes and stuff, uh, but it's going to be really fun to watch not only Medvedev but Rublev and them together as they move on um, through the ranks and through the ATP tour and their rest of their tennis career. Another person I saw that caught my eye during the Australian Open was uh, I believe his first name is Thanos or Thanos uh, Kakanakis, uh, the Australian. I thought he was a lot of fun to watch. I thought he was a lot of fun to um, watch play with. Curios, now obviously there's more drama and messing around when those two get together, but nevertheless it was really entertaining to watch and a lot a lot a lot of fun to watch. Um one more thing is Rafael Nadal's not playing in Rotterdam and that's a little surprising said it's back issues. Um he said he will not play in 2021, he hopes to be back in 2022. Now this could bring up some problems moving into the rest of the year, but I think um, he needs a little extra rest after how the, the toll that the Australian Open took on his body. And I think very much so he should take that rest because I think he deserves that rest. And at this point, he doesn't necessarily need to play all these tournaments. One more thing is Roger Federer will be back this week in Doha. And he he's going to be back on the tennis court. I'm really excited about it. Um, there's a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of things to look forward to in my next episode. Next week, I'm going to tell you that right now. And I'm really excited about where the world of tennis is going, especially the ATB Tour. And there's going to be a lot of good things happening on this podcast and in the world of tennis moving forward. I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to this podcast. I really appreciate it. And I love when uh, listeners like you comment and let me know what you think of the podcast as well as, you know, reach out to me on social media. What do you guys want to talk about? What do you want to hear on this podcast, I want to continue to grow this podcast, and I want to continue to grow not only on my side, but the listener side and make that experience a little bit better. So, whatever I can do, reach out to me at Jacob Rosossimo, both on Instagram and Twitter. You can reach out to at believe.com or at believe podcasts, all on all social media platforms, whether that's Instagram or Twitter. And thank you for listening. Let's get this world back to post pandemic, how it was, the vaccines rolling out. All of that jazz. Be safe. Watch a lot of tennis from home. Watch it on your television. Enjoy it. Keep it up with social media. And I really enjoy you listening. I really enjoy doing this podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Take care of yourself. Take care of your family. There's a lot of good things ahead in the world of tennis, in the world of this podcast, and hopefully in the world in general. Thank you for listening to Believe.